Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please do me the honor of giving it up for Mr. Rex Crane. Um, I want to say what a privilege it is to be with my friends, Matt and Charmaine Funk. Um, Aren't you grateful for pastors, for leaders that help you improve the quality of your life? You want to show up better. And I say that because being around Matt and Charmaine, they make you want to love God more, enjoy your life more, be a better parent, be a better husband, a better wife. And, you know, I think it was Henry Ford that said, my best friends in life are those that bring out the best in me. And I'll tell you what, when you have people in your life, just like Matt and Charmaine, that come alongside you and they're in it for what they can give to your life and invest in your life, it just makes life so much richer. So my wife and I and my little daughter, we are grateful for the Funk family and uh, man, they funk us out. So it's really, really cool. Hey, I also want to give a big shout out tonight, uh, excuse me, this morning to Sonia, who's running all of this on the uh, technical side, is doing an incredible job. If you could give her a round of applause for a minute, uh, just give Sonia a big old clap. I appreciate all the dedication, hard work she's putting in to helping this functionality. As I am here today, uh, I've been in about four states, five states, in the last three days speaking uh, in America. And I'm here today with you, and this is an incredible privilege. You're not gonna like today, you're gonna love today. And so what I'm gonna do without any further ado, Matt, I love the idea that you put up that commercial as a commercial I created back a couple years back, and it was in 100 countries, and it was a specific thing with uh, MMA fighting. But the whole idea was to turn your power on. And as you guys have been an amazing series about living a life of satisfaction. And can I get satisfaction? I think there's no other way that I'd love to maybe consummate or add to all the great, great messages that have been coming forth out of College Street. Uh, Then to turn your power on, turn to the person next to you and say, turn your power on. Now, why did I even create this commercial? Because I realized even back some years ago, many people are just going through the motions of life. They're surviving life. And I believe you deserve more from your life than to merely survive, not just to barely cope, not just to merely manage. I believe you're made in the image of God. You were created for a relationship and for rulership to dominate things rather than things dominate you. And I believe that who you really are is making a new demand on maybe that who you become or maybe what you settled for. Maybe you settled for coping. Maybe you settled for, I'll just have these allergies for the rest of my life. Maybe you settled for, man, my kid's really just going to struggle through school. I pray today is a monumental shift in your life and you recognize that God that made heaven and earth wanted you here so he could love you and demonstrate that love and giving you incredible breakthroughs to not just get you out of recovery of life, but get you into the discovery of life where you step into those good works, those amazing plans and the dreams that God put in you before you were ever on this planet. See, I believe you're here by appointment. You're a miracle. You're a sign and a wonder. Your parents might not have planned you, but God did. He wanted you here at this time and space, even with all the craziness in the world going on politically and medically and with the COVID, with everything going on, God knew that you possessed the right DNA, the right gifting, the right ability, the right personality, that you're the right person to be alive at this space and time, and that God is ready to do something unusual in your life. 
unusual. That means not predictable, not more normal. The greatest companies we've seen in the world happen when they disrupt the norm. They come with a new idea, a new process, a new product, a new service, and they disrupt the market. Isn't it just like life where you get become so predictable, you think, well, this will always be. No, you're one moment and one decision today, a faith away from disrupting areas of your life. If I think about an eagle, an eagle is a powerful animal. They can see two miles ahead. They can see two miles higher. They can go into thermal winds way above any other animal where they can breathe at an altitude others cannot breathe. But they get custom when they're born to living in a nest. It's very comfortable. The mother spends a lot of time putting that nest together. But at a certain point, she realizes if she doesn't disrupt that nest, that powerful eagle will never discover its wings and it will never find how high it can go, how far it can see and what it can do as long as it lives in the comfort of the nest. Can I say this? So many times we allow coping and surviving to talk us into if I can just be comfortable, life will be good. No, no, no. I don't encourage you. Don't arrange your faith around what's comfortable because many times our comfort becomes our idol and we put our comfort before your calling. Yes, you have a calling today and it comes from God. God called you. He chose you to do something significant on this planet. You say, Rex, you don't know what I've been through. Rex, you don't know my background. You don't know my history. You don't know the bad decisions I've made. You don't know who's left me. You don't know the things that I've done to compromise myself. The good news is God took into account all of your humanity, your faults, flaws, and fears, and God's not intimidated. Isn't that amazing? His love is not intimidated by where you've been. You are definitely a product of your past. But the good news is you don't got to be a prisoner of it. Today's going to be a day to shift the momentum of your life and to turn back your power on. I say that because powerlessness is the root of all negative emotion. Let me say that really uh, very clearly to you. The sense of powerlessness is the root of all negative emotion. Think about it. If you feel powerless to change your past, you feel guilty. You feel condemned. And I think we can learn from the scriptures, as Pastor Matt Charmaine teaches, that when there's condemnation and you're receiving condemning thoughts and you're receiving how bad you've done things in the past, those kind of condemnation, it starts to eat away at your confidence and steals your joy. And where your joy is, your strength is. If you feel powerless to change your future, what are you going to feel? Scared, nervous, angry. If you feel powerless to change your present It's easy to start feeling depressed, like it's hopeless. Why try? When you feel like things in life won't change, it's starting to feel like my allergies won't change. I'm powerless to change my economy, my finances, my children. My marriage has always been this way. You start to feel like that. You start to accept a weak life. And God did not call you to a weak life. You start to second guess, really, what is, what's the idea of then using faith in God if I just have to live like everybody else? But I got really good news from you today, and I'm going to go to the Bible here for a minute and teach you that there was somebody just like us battling these sense of powerlessness, and in a moment, things shifted. His name is Timothy. It's on the right-hand side of the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, is where I'm going to reference today, and it's written from a coach. His coach was a guy by the name of Paul the Apostle. He wrote 14 books in the New Testament. He's writing from a jail cell, and I find that interesting. He's physically incarcerated, physically in jail, but internally he's not. 
How many know you can feel like things are tight, you're boxed in on the outside, but you can be free because of the work of Jesus on the inside. And that's why I love to think about this thought that all breakthroughs begin on the inside of your life. They don't start in your circumstance. They begin with a change of mentality or you get a word from God and one word from God changes your outlook and the way you engage in it disrupts everything and things begin to change from the inside out. Paul's writing this letter to Timothy, and Timothy's really, really struggling. He's a pastor of a church called Ephesus. And if you've ever read the book of Ephesians, he's the pastor of the church. He's young. He might have still had some pimples on his face. He had not got the Justin Bieber pimple removal cream that had worked yet in 2010. He was still struggling. The older people thought he was inexperienced and he did not have enough leadership ability. The younger people, they thought he was not old enough. But yet God put him in this incredible position. Aren't you grateful that God calls shaky people to sturdy projects? He calls you to leadership roles, even when, or to leadership responsibility, even when you don't have a title. Sometimes people think, well, if I don't have a title, it doesn't make me a leader. No, you are a responsible person for the quality of your life. Jesus said, you discern your fruit. You determine the fruit of your thoughts, the fruit of your words, how you treat people. So that requires responsibility to lead your life, as the scripture says, worthy of your calling. But Timothy is second guessing of living this calling out because he's got opposition from the people that are supposed to accept him and love him and get him. But also politically, he has a prime minister named Nero. Nero is chopping Christians' heads off. He's throwing them in bags with snakes. He's setting them on fire. And he's given massive threats that if you worship the Lord, if you worship Jesus and you don't worship government, if you worship Jesus and don't worship government, then we are going to come after you. So he's thinking in his mind, I want to go back to where it's comfortable. I want to go back to where it's easy. And let me just say this. You weren't just made for easy. Come on. Everything in life, there's some hardness to it. It's kind of like choose your heart. Thank God that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And you don't have to let what you feel or the discouragement or opposition or obstacles talk you out of using your faith. I think there's a misconception for people that are into the power of God that faith makes things easy. I want to encourage you today. Faith does not make things easy. Faith makes things possible. You can't measure faith by success. You measure your faith by being faithful in easy seasons and in good seasons. The fact that you showed up on a Sunday morning, come on, in the year 2022, after everything we've been through these last 36 months on the planet, and you're still saying, Jesus, you're able. God, I love you. God, you're working in my life. Come on, give yourself a clap. Give yourself a hand. You made it here because there's a calling working inside you. So Timothy's at this place. He's thinking about checking out. Timothy's dad is not a believer. He was a Greek. But Timothy's mother and grandmother had some spiritual faith. They had God faith. And Timothy is given this letter, handed to him while he's thinking about quitting. He's second-guessing his call. He's second-guessing his value. He's second-guessing his gifting. And Paul writes this letter to him. And I want to encourage you to get into the Bible yourself because faith comes as you hear God's word. I love my Bible. I travel everywhere with it. I like that people use it on the, by the way, on their, on their phone, but get yourself a real Bible so you can write notes. You can make notes yourself and read it out loud so God can speak to you and it gets into your mind and it washes your thoughts and heals your emotions, heals your heart, your body. Great things happen. He says this thing, number verse five. 
I want you to call to remembrance the genuine faith that first was in your grandmama, Lois, and in your mama, Eunice. It reminds me of that song. I think it was Black Eyed Peas. I got it from my mama. I check it out. Come on. So his mama had some faith. And then he, Paul says, I'm convinced that that faith is in you. I am today convinced that faith is in you. Verse six, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, everyone from Joshua's house to everywhere else today, say it with me. God does not give me a spirit of fear. But I have, someone say, I have, put your hand on your chest, come on. I have a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. It's very interesting to me, the first thing that Paul says to Timothy when he's struggling and he's thinking about, hey, I'm just going to cope. I'm going to go back to where it's comfortable. I'm going to leave and stop pressing into the things of God. I'm going to stop trying to really go for it. And I'm just kind of kind of play in the middle of the road. The first thing Paul says to him, I want you to remember your spiritual DNA, your spiritual genes, if you will. I want you to go back to the faith that was in your grandma and your mama. I want to say this to all the parents in the that are listening to me today. Don't discount your children and you coming to church on a Sunday morning. You pray praying Monday, Tuesday, praying in front of them, asking about if Jesus is here, what would he say to you? Why? Because there's a promise from the word of God in your life that says Psalm 112 too, that your children shall be, not might be, not will see will be, not if Justin Trudeau believes they should be, but your children shall be mighty in the land. Come on, you got to be going home and saying, as a mom, as a dad, as an uncle, as an aunt, come on. If you're Hispanic, a Nino and a Nina, you ought to be going back to your children and grandchildren and say, you're going to be mighty in the land. You're a world shaker. You're a history maker. You're going to be mighty in the land. These mother and grandmother had put that into Timothy. And now Paul's telling Timothy, go back to what they put inside you. Go back to that faith that they put inside you. See, it only takes one person to make a difference, huh? How many of you had a mother, a grandmother praying for you? Maybe you made it here today. Come on, I had a mama that would pray for me when I was wiling out. And I believe her prayers became a lifeline that God used to bring people along my path to interrupt my course and change my destiny. Don't underestimate the power you have as a parent. Come on, don't let society raise your kids. Don't let Chilliwack raise your kids. Don't let Vancouver raise your kids. Come on, God anointed you, no matter how maybe incomplete you feel. Even if you made bad choices in the past, there's a new grace today, a new spiritual empowerment from the Holy Spirit to enable you to become a mighty mom, a mighty dad, and to speak the life of God into your kid, speak the word of God into them, because they're not going to get it from the outside, so they got to get it from you. Come on, prophesy to your children. Tell them they're a world shaker. Tell them. Even Joseph prophesied over Jesus when he was born and was a baby. He spoke God's word over him, and later in life, Jesus went and spoke God's word over himself. I believe if his dad did not do it, his earthly dad, his mother did not do that over him, Mother Mary, then he probably would not have done it himself. You get a chance to change your children by speaking God's word. Paul tells them to return to this. There's something in your DNA that you need to tap into. I got good news for you. The Bible says if you've received Christ, you have God's DNA inside you. That means you have his life, his power, his blood flowing. Think about that. God says you are an heir of me, a joint heir with Jesus. You have Christ is now your life. If you've ever surrendered your heart when matters Charmaine have led us in a prayer to give your heart to Jesus. 
You become a new person and Jesus is now your life. You have spiritual power inside you. If I took you to a horse race, let's say the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby is a very prestigious horse. And those horses did not end up there on accident. Say we're just running free somewhere in the middle of Calgary or running free in the middle of Texas. And someone goes, oh, my gosh, that's a really, really fast horse. I think uh, we'll just go ahead and put that in the in, in, a, in a racehorse. No, 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 no. It doesn't happen that way. They're studied for many, many years by bloodstock agents. They're bred. And when they're bred, it costs up to five hundred thousand to a million dollars because the owners know winning doesn't just happen. It's all in the power of the blood or the DNA or the genes. They'll study the grandfather, the father. They want to know the size, the speed, the strength. They'll study sometimes all the way back six generations. There might be when they breed that blood, sometimes even 10 generations of champions that are put into that. And when they come out, when the brand new baby is born after they've been bred, there's no guarantee they're going to be a champion. Even though they have winning in the blood, even though they have championship in the blood, there's no guarantee. In fact, when they come out, they're very wobbly. They don't see very far in front of them. They're very funky. To the average observer, it looks like an ordinary horse. And maybe even to the average observer, they might even look at the owners and say, you wasted a million dollars. They can't walk straight. There's spots on that one. That one's dark. That one's pink. That one's white. Come on, kind of way God looks at us. The flaws are overwhelming, but inside the owners know that that champion, they have the genes of champions all inside that. See, that's why God's not nervous about your weakness. He's not nervous about your feelings. He's not nervous about your past mistakes because he knows that in Christ, your DNA, you have winning inside of your blood, in your blood, beyond your external. You have his DNA inside you and God's working in you to get that DNA. DNA, where it's turning your weaknesses into strength so that you can gain all that he's promised for your life. Think about it. Your spiritual father, God, your father, your Abba father, Romans 8, 15 says, says he spoke in the world was creations in your blood. Jesus, your older brother and your savior who died and went to hell for you. So you don't got to go there. Who has took the punishment for your sin, your sickness and your pain. So you can be freed and healed from all of it. He life and freedom is in your blood. Think about this. Moses, delivered the children of Israel out of Israel. Deliverance is in your blood. Nehemiah built in a time where they told him, do not build things. He built a whole city, buildings in your blood. Esther, she rose up as a hero for her people in a time of challenge. Heroism is in your blood. Think about this, people. Daniel, in a place of lions, surrounded. God shut their mouths. And as he was in Daniel, he's with you. Protection is in your blood. Your natural bloodline might say you're going to have diabetes. You're going to have addiction to this. You're going to be hooked here. You're going to really struggle uh, with your sexual identity. That might be your natural bloodline, but in Christ Jesus, all things have become new. Someone needs to lift your hands and say, thank you, God, for making me a new creation. Your spiritual DNA can overcome your natural DNA. And Paul's telling Timothy, let's go back to your spiritual DNA. Stop listening to your dad telling you, hey, quit on your calling. Let's go back over here. You don't need to pastor a church. You don't need to really, you don't need to keep going forward. Just settle for coping. And Paul tells Timothy, go back to your spiritual DNA. I want to remind you of who you are. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror. The Bible says of God's for you who can be against you. The Bible says you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And let me say this, your faith in it does not mean that you feel it. 
God, faith has nothing to do with feelings. It every, has everything to do with God's word and what he spoke to you. If you'll stop basing your faith on your senses, you'll grow in your spiritual walk and you'll be able to walk with God because you can only walk with God by faith, not by feeling. This is powerful. Then he says, stir up that gift of God inside you. Stir up that gift of God. Every one of you has a gift. Jesus said, please don't waste your gift. Don't bury your gift. You can look at other people and think, well, I'm not as gifted as that person. I'm not as talented as that person. But God did not ask you to be responsible with somebody else's gift. In fact, the only way the Bible says that a a desire or a gifting used accomplishes things that bring satisfaction to your soul. That means when I'm not working my land, when I'm not using what God gave me, you say, what did he give you? Maybe you're great at cooking and you could come up with cooking strategies. And you say, well, I just don't, I'm, I'm afraid to step it out. Don't let fear cause you to miss those opportunities. You have a gift inside you that will benefit other people. Don't also for other people that are business owners, don't let your gift be just for your gain. Let it be for your good. The devil cannot ungift you and God will not take his gift from you. Come on. This is powerful. That's why the enemy doesn't attack your competence. He tries to steal your confidence in what God gave you. There's something in your hand. There's a gift in your hand that can God put inside of you to be a reward to other people on the planet. That will make room for you. Even if you're in addiction treatment right now, even if you're struggling as a mother and maybe maybe you're trying, maybe you're just really battling, just raising kids. There's a gift inside you. I want you to recognize the value of that. People did not give that to you. God did. And he's telling you the same thing he told Timothy. Stir up that gift of God. Don't bury it. Don't hoard it. Don't just use it one dimensionally. And if you're a business owner, you could ask yourself this question. Maybe there's a new way to, maybe there's a new way to sell the problem that I solve. Maybe there's a new way to solve problems for people. What could that be? It could expand your mentality. It could expand your field of vision and it can increase your engagement level. But don't bury that gift because we're going to give account. Jesus is going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? I don't know about you, but that sobers me up. It's not about going, just going to church. Church is the greatest place that I got to live. That's what God chose, a place to equip me, to empower me. But it's a place to unlock that gifting inside you and use it there to benefit the church, the people of God. That's what the scripture says. So to be a doer of the word there, but then use it outside to bring benefit and change to people's lives. I don't know about you, but that's that thought. I'm going to be able to count of this. Paul told Timothy, here's what you're going to need. Three things, a sound mind, love, and power. Number one, a sound mind. You need to say, I have a sound mind. Because many times we feel like our mind is playing tricks on us. We feel like that song by Tribe Called Quest many years ago. Do, 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 do. My mind's playing tricks on me. Come on. How many of you feel like, oh, my goodness, there's so many thoughts coming in my head. I don't ever feel like it's healthy. It's sound. I have my mind. My, I'm scattered in my focus. I'm scattered in my attitudes and my meaning. How many know your mind can make a heaven out of a hell or a hell out of heaven? Determine on the thoughts that you think. The quality of your life is the quality of your thoughts. And God says, I've given you a sound mind, but you need to guide your mind in that direction. That's why it's so important to make the Bible an active part of your life, because the word of God teaches you the ways of God. And then you know how to navigate your mind in that direction. As a man thinks, so is he. Well, because there's not just sound minds for people. A lot of people live that I've noticed, they live a sad mind. 
They start inventorying all the negative things, all the hurt. If you're not careful, if you don't, you, if you're not careful, you'll give your pain power over you. And as a result, your pain will become a house where unclean and evil spirits would love to live to a torment you and prevent you from becoming all you have. They'll make you a victim saying you'll never recover from this. So therefore you start to build a monument or a life around your pain or what you've been through and an idol around it. And then you start living a pity party. The devil's going to offer every one of us, me included, no matter your pastors included, a pity party all the time. You're going to have to decline his offer and say, I'm not going to live with a sad mind. The Bible says a cheerful mind works healing, Proverbs 17, 22. That means I can decide to have a cheerful mind. Think about it. The life you experience is not all the life that's available. It's just a part of the life that you've chosen to focus on because what you focus on, you feel comes alive. Think about it. If you're at church today or you're at the Joshua house or you're down the street and, and you're watching this, you could focus on all the great things in your life and feel so much more confident or excited. You can feel about focus on maybe what you're proud of or the blessings in your life. And you can feel so rich and rewarded, or you could focus on the negative things that have happened. The things that have been done to you, people lied to you, and I'll put you in a sad mind. 87% of medical visits right now, there's nothing physically wrong with people. The Mayo Clinic put out that. 87% of medical visits, nothing is physically wrong. It's people's minds that are planning or they're thinking on the negative things and they're having reactions and they're feeling an emotional psychology thing. What if you took back your mind or renewed your mind, as the scripture said, and not live with a sad mind? What about a scared mind? If you know you're a scared mind, when your idea in your mind is, oh, be careful. How many grew up with a mama or a dad or usually it's mamas and right they're like their mentality was be careful it means hey you could try to do that but be careful you could try to love but be careful you could try out for the team but be careful you could you could you go to that church but be a little careful why is always be careful in other words you could go and try a little bit but the idea is don't throw yourself all into something but as a result you hold back the best part of yourself a scared mentality doesn't make money doesn't make meaning, and it doesn't make relationship. And as a result, you suffer. I don't want this to be a time in your life where you flirt and you dabble. The enemy wants you to do that because, as the Bible says, a double-minded man, they're unstable and don't receive from God. What if you became so sound in your mind and say, I'm going to commit to something. I'm not just going to live with a scared mind. I'm going to, if I feel fear, I'm still going to take action, and I'm going to make a wise decision. I'm going to commit to some outcomes in your life, in my life. I'm not going to live with a scared scared mind or a sad mind, I'm going to live with a sound mind. I remember in seventh grade, I just had my first kiss, Wendy Lopez, and I was walking in from uh, my junior high and I felt this hot stuff hit my head. It's when I had hair and I felt this hot stuff. So I put my hand on my head and I realized a bird had pooped on my head. And so being like seventh grade, come on, 12, 13 years old, you're like, oh shoot, I don't want anybody to see this. This is so embarrassing. So I went to the class. I said to the teacher, can I please run to the restroom? And I didn't tell him why I had to go. But I went there and I remember spending so much time scrubbing my head to get the poop out of my head. And I realized that's like thoughts. You can't control what thoughts come into your brain, but you can control and determine how long they sit there on your thoughts, sit there on your brain and eat away at your confidence, your creativity, your love, your passion, your faithfulness to God. Some of you ought to scrape off. Come on. Some of the quote unquote, come on, that bird poo, that enemy was to love because he just keeps throwing thoughts. You're not enough. You can't do this. You're not a leader. You failed too many times. God doesn't want you. He doesn't 
work on you. You think that this is all a joke. It works for other people. It doesn't work. He'll heal somebody else, but he won't will you. What's the thought that's stealing your power the most right now? Maybe you need to take charge of your mental focus and the meaning you attach to your life. Because if you want to live in a sound mind and great emotions and live with a cheerful mind that really works healing as the word of God and a sound mind, Proverbs 1430 says, it produces health in your body. Well, how do I live there? By choosing to focus on the kind of person I'm going to become. And number two, the meaning I'm going to attach to things. That means if I'm in a relationship right now, is this the end or the beginning? Am I going to break through or am I going to break down? The meaning you attach to something determines whether you have misery or miracles, misery or miracles. A friend of mine's child was diagnosed with a, uh, an incurable disease in the womb. And he called me. He's in the professional football arena. And he called me and he said, Rex, I don't know what to do. My wife is depressed. We're you know, really struggling. And I go, could you imagine if your little girl could talk to you right now from the womb? What would she say? Daddy, please don't call me a disease. Please call me a destiny. Please don't call me misery. Please call me a miracle. Please don't treat me like something's wrong with me. Treat me like something's beautiful and right with me. Please don't despise having me thinking you're going to have to care for a disease. Please put a meaning that God put on me when he created me in mama's womb, that I'm a miracle, that I have something wonderful to give. Could you put a new meaning on it? If you're in recovery today, saying I'm getting stronger and stronger, I'm not relapsing, I'm recovering, I'm rebounding. I'm not sitting in love. No, I'm I'm not just going to sit in a place of defeat. I'm bouncing back today. The meaning you attach to something is the emotion you live in, a sound mind. But now I need a spirit of love. And to do that is the only way I can love other people, love myself, is if I understand how much God loves me. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing with the love of God? Are you receiving it or are you rejecting it? Are you focusing on your flaws, your flaws, your fears, everything that's done wrong in the past? First John 4, 16 says, we've known and received the love that God has for me. What are you doing with that love? Are you receiving it on Sunday and then ditching it on Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? That love, his love, has the ability to wipe away fear. It melts away insecurity, inferiority. It restores confidence. In fact, if I could let you into my private world, many times throughout the day, my wife will tell you this, my daughter will tell you this. I'll sit there and say out loud, I receive God's love today. I receive your love. Your love is healing me. Your love is restoring my soul. Your love is restoring strength to my body. Your love's opening doors. Your love is delivering me from evil. Your love is expanding me. Your love's enriching me. I become conscious of his love. When you become conscious of your his love and you start to receive it, to receive, take something into yourself and you start to receive it, your atmosphere changes, your faith changes because faith only works through love. And when you start receiving that love, you want to be generous in the way you show up for other people. What's it like to be in a relationship with you? Let me ask that one more time. What's it like to be in a relationship with you? What do people get when you show up? Do They think, oh man, here comes the taker of love. Here's the faker of love. They try so hard to put on a facade. They only show up every once in a while because they're afraid of being known. Or are you a giver of love? When you get into an atmosphere, do you leave it brighter or darker? Do you leave it more free or do you make it more convoluted? Do you talk about the problems or do you light somebody up? You say, well, I don't have those skills. Yes, you do. You were born to be relational. You have the ability. 
and you're worth knowing. God thought so. That's why he made you. Imagine when you start receiving God's love, you want to be of value and share that with other people in a meaningful, powerful way. Not just sharing scripture, but being valuable in your relationships. I want to challenge you that love begins with you. You're affected by the presence of love, the absence of love. You're most empty when you give up on love, but you're most alive when you find it and it's only in Christ Jesus. The real love, every other love is based on what somebody else does or what you're going to, no, no. When you start receiving God's love, it's supernatural. It's love by choice that I'm going to love you no matter what. Imagine if you chose that in your relationships, that I'm going to choose connection no matter what. I'm not going to base love on somebody else and what they're going to do. In fact, I'm just going to choose to love that person. That doesn't mean I agree with everyone, but I'm going to love that person. That doesn't mean I'm going to get involved in their sins or their messes, but I'm going to choose to love that person and believe the best about them. And let me say this as a lover. If you want to stop all the misery in your relationships, trade your expectations for them with appreciation and all of your suffering will stop. Let me say that again. Where does the suffering come from when you have such high expectations for everybody else and the appreciation so low? If you will shift that today, you will find a revolution in your relationships and how much more valuable you'll begin to see people. You'll put a 10 on people's head rather than a two. You'll treat them like treasure rather than trash. Spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Finally, a spirit of power. You need to say that. Say, I got, I got, I got power. The Bible says you have power to forgive. You have power to forgive, John 20 says. Jesus said it out of his own mouth. That means you have the power to release somebody from what they've done to you. There's power in forgiveness. 62% of people going through cancer right now, according to the Mayo Clinic, this is a this isn't a Christian firm, this is the biggest cancer research, have unforgiveness issues. Unforgiveness is now a medical disease. There is called forgiveness therapy that people can go to because unforgiveness makes people sick. This is coming from the medical journals. Go study it out. And we're realizing the toxicity of holding on to hurt rather than releasing it. There was a woman in South Africa, and I'm going to move a little fast here. And her husband, uh, excuse me, her son was killed by a police officer who was white. She was black and her children, her daughter was black. They showed up and they were bigot. They were complete racist officers. They shot and killed the son point blank range. And they made fun of him because of the color of his skin. The parents tried to get help from the South America, South African uh, Security Council. They turned a deaf ear because of the color of skin, because there was a racial divide at that time. They showed up days later and took the husband. For a year, the husband was gone. True story. You can read it. Officer Vanderbrock, look it online. And the reality was the mother, the wife did not know where her husband was. She assumed he was dead. After a year, they came back and got her and took her out to a lake. And there her husband was tied to a piece of wood. They put gasoline on him and lit him on fire and watched watched him burn alive while they gathered around and partied and they rejoiced over the death of somebody because of the color of their skin. The woman sought all kinds of counsel and finally it was heard. It was tried in court and they find that the, the, the people, the officers were guilty, but they let her speak before the sentencing. And she stood up as an elderly woman and she said, Can, I need three things, judge. And the judge said, yes. Number one, I need someone to take me back to his grave so, where, he, uh, where he was burnt so I can gather his ashes and give him a wonderful burial because he was a wonderful man. We didn't have a lot to live on, judge, but we had a lot to live for. And I had a wonderful husband who cared for me. 
She said, absolutely. Number two, I'd like to look at you, Officer Vanderbrock. And I want to tell you today, today I make the decision to forgive you. Though you've taken my son and my husband, I realize I don't have very special gifts. I don't have a lot of money or resources. But one thing I have is the love of God in my heart. And God has loved me. And the most special thing in my life is love. And I realize if I hold on to unforgiveness and the hurt and the pain that you put me and my family through, that you'll not just take my past, but you'll also take my future. And today, I want to let you off my hook. You're not off God's hook, but I want to let you off my hook because I don't want the evil of the past to stop my life and the lover me because that's all I have left. And I'm not going to give the evil that you've done to steal the love that's inside of me. Come on. This is for somebody here today. The crowd started to go like in the, on the, in the courtroom began to go nuts. She said, I want somebody to take me over there so I cannot just talk to that man in words, but I hug that man. She helped this woman over with a cane. And when she hugged him, he passed out. All across that room, all these black people for the first time started crossing lines, grabbing white people's hands and started singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I'm see one woman with no spectacular gift. But she said, I'm going to reclaim and take the back the lover inside me and I'm going to love and forgive. I Jesus has given me that power. And in a moment that started to change the whole environment, the whole atmosphere of South Africa changed. Nelson Mandela came in on the back back of that. And as a result, there was a whole reformation where equality of value of people's races were honored and dignified. One woman changed that through the power of mercy. You have the power to speak God's word today and bring it, see it come to pass. Really? Absolute Daniel 10, 12. It says this, the angel said, we came because of the words of God. You spoke. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, if you'll say to this mountain, be removed. And let me say, your mountain needs to hear your voice. If you're facing doubt, you need to speak the word of God of that mountain. If you're facing fear, you need to say, I will not fear. God does not give me a spirit of fear. You need to speak. Your mountain needs to hear your voice. Jesus did not say the mountain would obey God. It said he will obey you. Come on, read your scripture. The mountain will obey you when you speak the words of God. If you're God's child, you have the ability and the authority and power to speak God's word and bring them to pass. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, we have a spirit of faith. Come on, someone say, I got it still. I believe, therefore I speak. Imagine if you started speaking about what you're believing God's word to do. I By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Things are changing in my life. Things are shifting in my life. Your, ver- your verbiage, your, vi- your words will change the quality of your life. Proverbs 15.23 says, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Proverbs 23, 16, your innermost being rejoices when your lips speak prosperous God things. Psalm 103, 19 says, the angels of God listen and do the words of God you speak. That means for most people, most Christians, they don't even understand that. As a result, they have angels that protect them, but not are proactive for them. Go read it. Psalm 103, 19. Angels of God don't do your will. They do God's word. If you will speak his word, you'll put angels in motion, angelic activity over your life. Start declaring Psalm 91 over your life. Psalm 4-1, in my distress, God enlarged me. David said, I had a spirit of faith. I spoke God's word. Abraham said, I called what was not as though it's going to be because God said it. He said, I'm going to have a child. I'm 100 years old, impossible, but God said it. Come on, all you need is one word from God in your mouth, and it creates. Hebrews 1.3 says that God upholds and creates all things by the word of his power, not the power of his word, the word of his power. 
Why? Because if it's the power of his word, it's only powerful when God speaks it. But if it's the word of his power, it's just as potent in your mouth as it is in God's mouth. When you begin to declare God's word, your emotions will change. Your mind will become clear. Your body will start to be well in your body. Things will shift in your favor. Somebody needs to start declaring, God's increasing me more and more. He's opening up doors no man can shut. Goodness and mercy and favor are chasing me down. Instead of my shame, I'm going to have double honor. Come on, somebody. And finally, you have power to heal. Oh, Rex, I couldn't have power to heal. That happened for them, not for me. Did not Jesus say that if you are a believer, a believer, that in my name you'll lay hands on the sick, they will recover? Did he not say in James to believers that the prayer of faith will save people that are sick? And if they've committed sins, they'll be restored in their mind, heart, emotions, body, What hope God's given us. We have power to bring his healing power to other people. And I'll end with this story. I was just speaking for Facebook and um, uh, and for Google and WhatsApp and Instagram. They brought the top executives and flew them in. And my wife and I went just a couple weeks back and we were speaking. And in the middle of this um, environment, it was a really heavy environment, to be honest, pretty dark. And uh, things that I could not imagine, they were maybe conspiracies in my mind are not conspiracies. They're very, uh, they're very focused on what they want to. They want to disciple the world. They want to, they want to create a culture that they design. That's why, please, parents, don't let your kids go crazy on these flipping gadgets. Please take back being a parent in your life. You're anointed to be a parent. Disciple your kids. Tell them they're champion. Brainwash them on the miracles of God. Don't let them discover their identity because there's an agenda to stop that. They want to stop. It's an antichrist spirit. And I like the people. I'm helping the people. But they have an initiative. And that's even how I got in, I have to be honest with you. I, I was on a call with a gentleman, and they said, and I go, can I tell you about your future? And I, I God gave me a gift of prophecy to do it. And I did it, and he goes, you just told us forbatim the exact word of the initiative we're bringing out. He goes, can you come speak at our event? All these powerful people are sitting in the audience. I'm sitting there in this massive mansion of a house, and these top execs from around the world are there. And I'm sitting there, and about 10 minutes in, um, I all of a sudden I see this woman over there, in the crowd. And I go, can I stop my, my speech for a minute? And I go, can I tell you about your future? And she goes, what? And everyone starts to look like, what in the world? This isn't supposed to be planned. And I go, I want to tell you about your future, but I first have to deal with the dream you've had for two years that haunts you. God does not want you to be a haunted house. God wants you to be a happy house and a holy house. And she started weeping and crying. I told her the dream that she's had. And I go, is it right? She started weeping and crying. And then I called another woman. I said, God has a great plan for you. Mark just hired, Zuckerberg just hired her, brought her in from China. I go, God has a great plan, but you can't do it with pain in your body. I go, do you mind if I'll pray for you and Jesus will heal you? I said it in front of everybody. Were you nervous? A little bit because it's, oh my goodness, what about my reputation? What if it doesn't work and all these things? But I realized something. When it's God's reputation you live for and you live for his smile, you don't really care. You don't really care. He's the one who designed you. He sentenced you to success. And if you trust him, he'll prosper you. That woman came to the front and I prayed for her a simple prayer. I said, Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, let your healing presence flow into her body. She was instantly healed. An incredible miracle took place. And I take you to a couple nights ago. I'm standing and speaking. And I said, there's somebody here with a seven-year-old little girl and she can't read. She has deficiency in her brain. Her neurological function can't work. I felt God showed me that in the middle of a speech, about 2,000 people in a room. 
And I said, but something special is going to happen tonight. Jesus is going to rewire the function of her brain on the right-hand side and bring healing to her. These two, this couple stood up. They're both bodybuilders, the man and the woman. Had them come down from the audience, first time to church, first time ever to church. And they go, how did you know that? I go, well, God's sharing something because he wants to bring healing. They said, thank you for stepping out and not being afraid. So I prayed for them and all these people. The next morning, she walked out of her bedroom looking at her emails on her phone like this, looking out. And she looked to the right and there at the right, guess what happened? Her little daughter was sitting there who 12 hours earlier, and I found out she'd been in an automobile accident as a little child. And as a result, had all kinds of brain damage. As a result of that word that God spoke, that I prayed healing into somebody, like you can do it, come on. In a moment, here she looked and her daughter was reading perfectly sound off the side. She put it all over the internet. It's been up supernatural turnaround. Why do you say that? Because you have power to heal today. Can you show me the crowd just for a minute? And I, before I end today, do you mind if I pray for a couple people and hand this over? I pray this has been enriching to your soul, enriching to your life. Thank you for the last 30 minutes. How many of you enjoyed this by a show of hands today? I can see all your beautiful faces. How many of you have gotten a really great nugget out of something today that you can take and apply to your life, huh? Anybody? Come on, lift your hands. I can see all you party people on Sunday morning. There you go. Who is somebody there today that you have pain in your knees? Uh, you have pain in your knees. If anybody have pain in your knees, will you lift your hand that I could just pray for you? Oh, a couple people have pain in your knees. If those are you and your hands are lifted up, just keep your hand up. If those that are you random, would you put your hand on their shoulder because you care? And we're going to pray that Jesus would bring healing into them, remove any arthritis, any osteoporosis in those knees, and he would bring healing. You say, why would you do that? Well, Jesus said, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. So can we believe today that as heaven can happen on earth? We're a church that believes the Bible. This is really cool. Pastors Matt and Charmaine really encourage us to believe the word of God not our feelings. Let's believe. Jesus, let your healing presence, I pray today, flow through people's knees, their kneecap, their tissue, their ligaments, their nerve endings. I pray you'd restore damaged nerves. I pray that you would restore mobility and functionality in their mortal body today. Let healing flow all throughout their body. I pray also people's kidneys would be healed today. Lord, and I pray, thank you for touching and bring healing to somebody's female organs. I thank you, Lord. I pray for people that have had really trauma experiences in their conscience and subconscious that have been damaged and they feel really, really heavy in their mind. I pray that you would bring healing, a creative miracle healing in people's conscience and subconscious. Actually, everyone, everyone just put your hand on your heart. Say, Holy Spirit. Say it out loud. Say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring a creative healing into my conscience and in my subconscious and bring Jesus's healing love all throughout my body. Remove every bit of pain, remove every bit of hurt. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me with your strength and power today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Can I say to somebody has digestive problems, you're going to feel much better. You've been having digestive problems for the last about two months. And God's going to help you feel better. He's going to bring healing into your digestive tract. And you're not going to feel the bloat, but not just the bloat, the gassy feeling. That's uh, uh, It's almost like a little ulcer. I see the Lord's going to bring healing to you because he loves you and he cares about you. I want to thank you today for the incredible privilege to be with you. I pray it's been a blessing in your life. Thank you for giving me time on a screen, which is not always as easy. I love looking at all your faces, and you have the best pastors in the world. 
I have so much admiration in my heart for Matt and Charmaine Funk, Rudy and Stephanie, wonderful people. God bless you all. Matt Funk, thank you for the privilege of having me today. Let me come back and hopefully I'll be able to join you in your country. Hopefully, because I'm, I'm part Canadian. I have a Canadian daughter, Canadian wife. I'm going to be there by faith by December. So hopefully I can hug it out with you all and kiss you all, men and women. I, I love you all. Massive hugs. Have a beautiful day. God bless you. Matt, take it away. Sonia, thank you so much. God bless you all, you world shakers. Thank you, Rex. Okay, you may be seated. That was a lot. I don't want to say how many times I cried, just the emotion of the stories, and it just really spoke to me. I know that God wants to keep moving. He wants to go deeper. Um, do you have any thoughts, any takeaways, what Rex said that really s- stood out to you? Oh, it's always hard after you get a waterfall of, like, goodness <laughs> to be like, what stood out to me? But just interesting, I guess, even confirmation. I was just praying this morning for you guys and praying specifically for that, for, for your conscious, your subconscious, and your sleeping, your unconscious. And so I was praying that. So for whoever that's for, God wants to, wants to give you that rest, but he also wants to sort out those things. He wants us to be a sound mind. I thought that, that whole thing was so powerful about having a sound mind. That I was going to echo that. And actually, that's what stood out to me in my notes. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts. That is why we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Good thoughts, bad thoughts. Recognize the good ones come from God and the bad ones are not of him. So They're bird poop. <laughs> I like that. So how long are you going to walk around with bird poop on your head or in your hair? Or are you going to wash it out and move on? You know, it's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. It, it, God has so much more for you, but we... We start by framing the world we live in with our thoughts and then with our words, it says in Hebrews 11. So everything starts with a thought followed by a feeling then an action. And we don't have to be a victim. You know, we choose whether or not we're going to be the victim or we're going to be the victor, right? And if we lean on God's word instead of the worries of this world, we're going to be a victor. We are victorious. He has set you apart. He has anointed you. And if you can speak the power, the power of the word of God that is on your lips is the same power that comes out of his lips. It's right. Heaven moves. Heaven moves on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. But somewhere along the way, the enemy has deterred us or distracted us or discouraged us and got you to believe in something that isn't true. And that is that you are powerless. And that is a false reality. You are more than a conqueror through him who gives you strength. More than a conqueror. So, Wow. I can't wait to see what happens tonight. Um, but I want to just press it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I see James is already on the guitar. And I'm going to ask that you stand with me. If, if you know anything about Rex, I've, he's been coaching us for, oh man, what, seven years now? Yeah. And I just, I'm oh, <laughs> really honored by him, moved by him. And uh, he always forces us to step out, step out of our comforts. You know, Rex is never about a show. He's never about lifting his name up. He's always about lifting Jesus. And every time we come before him with humility, and we just let the love of God come in. And we step forward, we lay aside every fear, and we step forward in faith. Is when heaven moves. Always. God moves when we move. So we want to give an opportunity for heaven to move in your heart, 
Paul said in Romans 10 verse 9, if we believe in our heart, that's the thing that needs to be healthy, right? If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing that God the Father raised his son from the grave, we'll be saved. God stands at the door and he knocks. It's whether or not you'll let him in today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Start today. And if you haven't been all in in this season, this is your all in moment now. Whether you're some of the men that are watching up at the Joshua house right now, or you stumbled into Ruth and Naomi's right now, or you just showed up today because you heard of this world-renowned speaker who was going to come and realize that this speaker is moved by the Spirit of God. That's what drew you in here. God will meet you right where you're at. Let Him be your Savior. Let Him set you apart and set you up and pull you out of the miry clay. Put your feet on solid ground. Don't settle. Don't sink in sin. Don't sink in suffering anymore. Step up. Let him in tonight, today, whenever you're watching this in this moment. Would you just pray with me right now? Just repeat after me and everyone in the house. Say, dear Jesus, I know what it's like to live in fear, to have thoughts that aren't of you. I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to let you in. I believe that you died for me, that you rose from the grave. And I believe that today you are my savior. You have set me apart and I welcome you into this heart. Thank you that my past is past. Today is a new day with you, in Jesus' name. Just stay in this moment all eyes are still closed and all the heads are bowed. There's a lot happening in the house of the Lord today. First things first. Eyes are closed. If when someone prayed over you in the moment when Rex called it out, there was knees, sore knees, there was kidneys, there was, what else was there? Digestion. If you received a healing, I'm not calling you out. Just looking for evidence. Thumbs up. Give me a thumbs up in the house. Wow. 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 Praise the Lord. So I count about six or seven miracles that are... Come on, give God some praise. Just keep your eyes closed if you don't mind. Get back in the moment. Your moment, God. The next one is if you prayed that prayer which we just prayed, and you invited Jesus in your heart, or you're coming back to him today. I don't embarrass you or call you out. I want to celebrate with you your step of faith. Would you give me a thumbs up? That's you. Thank you. Thank you. Right on. Well, we're going to continue uh, to worship. Just let God do what God wants to do in this moment. Here at College Street, uh, we are convicted because we are called to make disciples. We're not here to play church. We're here to be the church. And we are called in discipleship to be baptized. And so we fill this tank, which lid is about to lift up anytime 
any minute, any second. See, look at that. Thank you, team. We, li- we fill this out of faith every Sunday. And it's amazing who God sends for it. We don't make it difficult because that's not biblical. It's actually quite the opposite. In Acts 15, 19, James said, let us not make it difficult for people who are coming to know the Lord. I am honored to be a part of this church and this family. Last Sunday, we had four baptisms. Four baptisms. You can applaud for that. Four people chose to come forward and step into the water. And if you don't know what baptism is about, when we go in the water, it says we are baptized with Christ. We leave all the sin in the past. When we come up, we are resurrected with him. We're a new creation. And we walk in that discipleship as the first step. Jesus did it. And he calls us to do it. Something powerful happens when you step in there. It's not a just for show thing, not just a public declaration. There's something spiritual that happens. Sin no longer has authority over you. You walk in a different authority. You walk forward. Will you struggle with sin? Yeah. The difference is you have the supernatural. We baptize not just in water, but also in the spirit. So if that's you and you want to come forward, or if you have any questions about that while we're worshiping, just come. We got clothes, we got towels, we got a room full of clothes for you. But as well, if you just want prayer or you just want to worship up front, you can do that. But get out of your comfort. I don't know what your somebody's comfort might be to move from one seat to the aisle or to the next seat. Your comfort, you know what it is, but go to your calling, step out of your comfort, let us worship. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.